Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. This should be played at high volume. Vickers blocking his teammate. White flag this time. One to go. He's got to block two teammates to win it though. One and He's wide. Way up high and takes the white flag. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Pit Stop here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We're back, and Bowman Gray Racing is back on Saturday nights. Our good friend Randy Pettit joining us to go through the results, the storylines, uh, major things that happened Saturday night. And we look, we look at the results here, Randy. The, the biggest thing to me, um, we look at the winners. Danny Bone took home the modified win. Tommy Neal in Sportsman. Brian Sykes in Street Stock. And then Tyler McDonald and AJ Sta- AJ Sanders in stadium stock. But the thing that's striking me going through these top tens is there's not a whole lot of the the usual suspects or the uh, the power brokers, if you will, up up in the uh, up in the play here. You're right. Well, uh, hello everyone, and it's great to have Bowman Gray Racing back to talk about. We certainly missed it. Uh, a lot of storylines this year. Uh, the most anticipated season opener at the Madhouse in probably 30 years. A lot of reasons why, primarily new pavement. And I think that factored into um, to some of the heavy hitters, if you will, uh, not being up there closer to the top on Saturday night. Uh, it, let's start with the Hayes Shillers 200, the main event for the for the uh, Modifieds at Bowman Gray. Just like the big boys, Bowman Gray starts out with their longest, most prestigious, and richest race of the season. So everybody was uh, over there for several weeks on Saturdays trying to figure out the new asphalt, and that kind of leveled the playing field. You could throw your notebook out the window, the one that Burt Myers and Tim Brown have used to dominate over there for the last three or four decades, and that leveled the playing field a little bit. Now, that's one aspect of it. Aspect number two, Danny Bone, the 2014 Bowman Gray champion, came to Bowman Gray with a new car. He had been racing over there uh, in a car that was 30 years old. And and Tim and Bird and a lot of the other competitors had new or fairly new equipment. So Bone showed up with a new car. He qualified well. And I told the folks that were there filming for Flow Racing that you give me Danny Bone and give me the defending champion, Jonathan Brown, I'll give you the field. And those guys both showed up. They qualified in the top three. Uh, Jonathan Brown had a little bit of trouble, but Bone, he dominated the Hayes Jewelers 200. And Brett, did you know he's the first Northern-born driver to win the 200 at Bowman Gray since Jerry Cook in 1980? The Southern boys have had it sewn up for a long, long time. Yeah, and it sounds to me like this. This we're getting into very Northern, like New Hampshire modified kind of territory here, aren't we? With 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 somebody like Danny Bone coming in here with a, with a new piece of equipment, 
I would guess he took a lot from, from what he learned racing up there. Well, Danny finished fifth in the Turkey Derby at his home track in, at Wall Stadium in New Jersey, which is uh, kind of a high-banked a high clone of Bowman Gray, if you will. And one of his primary sponsors, the folks at North American Construction, just said, look, son, it's time for you to get a new car. And they put their money where their mouth was and helped Danny put together a new car. And, man, he showed up at Bowman Gray and put a whooping on them. And, by the way, uh, when we got there on Friday, there were three modified teams, hilariously, that showed up with the number 51 on the side of their car. Now, the guy that ran the 51 there last year, uh, Drew Moffitt, got to keep it. And the, uh, the rookie, Junior Snow, who moved up from stadium stock, uh, changed his number to 61. And he was driving an orange car. So there you go, Richie Evans fans. And then Danny <laughs> Bone changed his to the 57 car. And that was the first time that the number 57 had been in victory lane at Bowling Gray Stadium since Johnny Bryant of Bassett, Virginia, put it there. And for the older Bowman Gray fans, they'll know that uh, Johnny had 22 modified victories at Bowman Gray. 15 of those came in a number 57 car. And uh, that was uh, only the second modified driver to ever win at the Madhouse in the 57. And oh, by the way, Johnny Bryant won the very first iteration of the 200 back in 1975. So it was kind of cool to see some of that history uh, kind of come into play on Saturday night. Yeah, if anything, and excuse me, in that last instance, it, it pretty much came full circle. But, uh, I mean, you said it, it, it the, this new pavement, I mean, we, we see it at all levels of, of NASCAR where, where things, playing fields get evened here and there, no more so this year with the next-gen car in the Cup Series. But just like at Atlanta, where we saw things get crazier than they ever have, when they repaved it and changed the configuration, I think it gets lost on a lot of people, the effect, especially in this style and this form of stock car racing that a, a new set of pavement can have. It, 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 it works as an equalizer. It and does. it did in all, in all series, not just the modifieds. It does. And, and we saw a few teams that maybe aren't ordinarily up front run better at the Madhouse. Eventually, the top teams did rise to the top, you know, the old saying, the cream rises to the top. Um, one thing of note, there was a bump going into turns uh, to the south turn. The, the track calls it the first and second turns. I call it the south turn. I, I think Bowman Gray's got two turns, one in the south end of the facility and one in the north end, but that's neither here nor there. That bump going into the south, the south end, uh, you know, that caused a lot of teams a lot of trouble, and they had to go to softer springs, softer shocks, and that really uh, wreaked some havoc for some of the some of the veterans that have been there a long time. For example, Tim Brown, he won the pole. He put together a fast lap for qualifying, but he got passed at like lap four or five, and, and Tim was never, never a threat to go back in front the rest of the way. Burt Myers, Burt qualified poorly, uh, managed a sixth-place finish, and uh, both Tim and Burt are two guys you figure be in the top five of that race, and they were nowhere inside of the lead. So, and congratulations, by the way, to Tim Brown. That was a 600, 600. That's a lot of modified starts at the Madhouse. And, you know, he got the pole, start number 600, you know, backed into a seventh place finish. I'm sure they'll go to work on that car. And I look for him to, to be one of those guys to beat in the 25 lap races this Saturday night. Yeah. That 25 lap sprint's going to be fun this Saturday night. We'll, we'll preview that. Uh, 
in the second part of the program. Uh, good for Tim Brown. He's always, he's got to finish in the top ten. That's a sponsor, longtime sponsor. Hey, Schuler's there. He's almost exactly. obligated to obligated that, to at that point. There were a bunch of those Hayes-Dewars cars in the field, and another one, Jeremy Gerstner, the visitor from uh, the Tampa, Florida suburb of uh, Wesley Chapel, he came up and, and notched the top 10 finish. It was good to see Randy Butner have a decent run. He finished ninth, and kudos to Randy Butner as he starts his 35th season of modified racing at the Madhouse. That's a long, long time. Uh, another little uh, nugget from the 200, Brett, um, John Smith, the Mayberry Bullet, a former winner of the 200, was looking like he was not going to have a ride for that race. And the uh, the team of Mark Dowdy, they're out of southwestern Virginia. They've been putting uh, late model champion Dennis Holdren in that 07 car that they field as a tribute to Speedy Thomas, who, of course, one of the legendary car owners at Bowman Gray won many, many championships. And the Mayberry Bullet got in that car, never drove it before, qualified pretty solid, and finished fifth. So a good a good effort for that team. Yeah, you said it right there. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about in regards to the new pavement, and you you touched on the effect that it had on on, on you know guys having to go for for new and different pieces of equipment. The one thing I think is going to be the biggest equalizer here is, especially from qualifying to to race, tire wear, handling. All those kinds of things that go into, especially with a race like the 200, that was the longest of the season. That might have reared its head more than it will other times, but you know, I, it's going to take some getting used to for guys to figure out and, and get the data from the from the 200 going forward here as to how the tires are wearing. You know what the handling is like, what the track is like, if the temperature changes, if the modified race starts you know, at a certain time and the temperature track cools a little bit, track might heat up a little bit, how warm the tires are. There's a lot of things that go into this with a new set of asphalt that could shake things up. Yeah, I was kind of, uh, I don't know if they were trying to snooker me or not, but a lot of the top teams were telling me uh, Friday at, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, they, they fully expected to have to make a pit stop and change the right rear tire. Well, guess what? Mr. Danny Bone did not do that. He, uh, he hopped out into the lead and held that inside groove, never got on the outside groove where there wasn't a lot of rubber there. But Danny ran a really smart race, managed his tires, did not have to pit. And, uh, well, he, he made a fool out of me because I knew he had a strong car, but I figured he'd have to make a pit stop, but he didn't. And uh, Brandon Ward, have to give him a shout out. He finished second. He spun. He got he either spun or got spun, however that works out, uh, early in the race and recovered to finish second. And Jason Myers came home third, Chris Fleming fourth, and as we mentioned, John Smith finished fifth. Now, some teams did make a pit stop, and they were not able to take advantage of that restart cone because the outside groove, there's just not enough rubber out there yet for you to be able to do a whole lot of passing out there. And that uh, that played right into the hands of Danny Bone, who controlled the race. And it really hurt guys like John Holloman, the fourth, and uh, Jonathan Brown, who are normally very aggressive going on the outside, that lane was just really not not ready to, to go racing yet. And I don't even think there's going to be enough rubber from it uh, this coming Saturday night. You know, for, for a 25-lap sprint that we're looking at here, you get one or two restarts. That, that, that one restart, even if it's the only one, could decide 
who who wins the race. And you've got to figure out what line to pick and figure it out quick. And there's still not enough rubber down to really try and make a move on the outside. So I think if it comes down to it Saturday night, you're going to look at a lot of guys trying to muscle the other guy up from the bottom there. And uh, we're going to look at some beating and banging down on the low end of the track. There's not going to be a whole lot of guys pulling the Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick, and scraping the wall. Absolutely. You know, I talked to Tim Brown, and he looked me in the eye and said, hey, I, I left some speed out there on the track and qualifying on Friday. So the last time they repaved the track, it took about two or three Saturdays for it to really wear in, and then the uh, the track record fell. So I think you're going to see a repeat of that. We typically have a really cool Saturday night somewhere the first three weekends in May. And I think when that Saturday night rolls in, that's when the track record is going to go down. Cool track, not cooler heads is usually how that works exactly. out. All exactly. right, we'll talk about uh, some of the other results uh, from Saturday night in Sportsman Street Stock and Stadium Stock, and we'll preview what's coming up uh, in those series here in our next segment as well. Back here on the Pit Stop on WTOB, powered by TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside the one and only Tommy Neal, a legend at the Madhouse. Tommy, you've had a, a long history here with um, sustained success, but I, w- I want to get your thoughts before we get into you and what you've seen at the track this season. I want to get your thoughts on what it was like to have your nephew Riley out there last weekend, not or a couple weekends ago, n- not just to race against him, but to race for the win against him and what it was like to see kind of your protege go out there and get the job done, and you basically have a front-row seat to do it. Uh, there's a lot of emotions going through my mind at the time. I mean, it's uh, my nephew, uh, Kevin is my nephew, and Raleigh, he's uh, he's like my grandson because my brother died at 44, and I, I raised Kevin, you know, kind of like he was my own there for, for a long time there and uh, took care of Kevin when he was a baby, and, uh, and uh, Raleigh really only – he never really got no uh, – his uh, real papa, so he called me papa, and uh, so uh, he's kind of like my grandson in a way, and uh, helped him out of racing. And just, I mean, as far as with Kevin and him, and just, I mean, it means a lot because you know I instilled and uh, made me feel good. I instilled something in, in Kevin, and he's followed on into the rally and his son and the competitiveness and uh, the want to and the drive to want to be the best and want to win. And uh, sometimes uh, kids nowadays really don't have that uh, that uh, that inspiration and that drive and that won't to and then uh, the only thing about that too is uh i instilled them and he instilled the same thing as i did in the cabin is the the fundamentals of the racing too not just to get into the helmet and driving suit and drive and get out and go home and play xbox i mean uh he goes home he wipes the chassis down he knows how to tighten the bolts he knows all his wrenches he goes on toolbox at the shop i mean he's uh he's hands-on too so it ain't like he's just uh you know, a kid just uh, shows up with his helmet and his driving suit and gets in and goes racing. And like some of the kids they do nowadays, that that really don't couldn't really tell you a lot about a race car. So Roddy can really gives you good feedback about what's going on with the car and stuff like that. So I mean, uh, it really makes me feel uh, real good that uh, hopefully one day that everything will be gone and he'll be uh, carrying my legacy in the name of the new racing on and on and on to years to come. Yeah, it doesn't sound like Riley's the kind of kid that's. Uh 
going to hop out of the race car, go home and, and uh, get into a $750 iRacing simulator. He's going to go home and tighten the bolts and adjust the chassis and do all that kind of stuff. So, uh, again, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, things get passed down from time to time. And this is this is a track and, and a place that is very family-oriented. And that, that that's a great story to hear. And uh, I was reading uh, an article from the Winston-Salem Journal um, that said that uh, how much Riley wanted to race here, how much he basically begged you to race here. Uh, and I believe you were quoted as saying, do you race here? You're never going to want to leave. And it doesn't sound like anybody in the Neal family is going to want to leave this track anytime soon, especially after the drive that he had a couple of weeks ago. No, I mean, uh, I, I gave him a few shots here and there, you know, and I'm, I'm probably didn't race him as hard as I would somebody else, but I mean, you know, it's uh, got a lot to do with family, but I mean, you know, one thing that he'll always remember, even after I'm long gone, uh, he finished first and second to his papa. So, I mean, he'll never, he'll never forget his first win that his papa was out there with him. So, and then I know that, uh, my brother in heaven was watching us both, so that was very special. Very special and very emotional, and um, I'm, I'm sure a, a tremendous moment for, for you, for Riley, and, and just for the entire family. But I want to get your thoughts on uh, – we, we ask a lot of people, uh, pretty much everybody we've had on the show thus far, uh, what the track surface has been like since the repave. And, of course, we – have the rain to deal with. So as Randy Pettit talked about in the first portion of the program, it's basically kicked the can down the road as far as rubbering the track up. Brandon Brown told us that uh, there's a potential to put PJ1 traction compound down um, in the top lane in the corners. But what I've heard from a lot of guys is there is no high groove right now. It's a bottom feeder kind of racetrack. Everybody's on the apron. Everybody's fighting for room down there. But I've only heard from modified guys what they kind of think about it. I haven't heard from anybody in your series as to what your cars have been handling like on this new service, what the grip's been like for your cars, and how different the setup you've had to make is. I know Brandon Brown said he basically had to revamp his whole setup uh, to match what the surface was doing. But I want to hear from you. What, from your standpoint, has been uh, the biggest thing in your series? Well, I mean, uh, of course, the track's the same for everybody. I mean, it's just not for me. It's the same thing for every driver in the division. Uh, just got to figure out how to drive it. I mean, uh, Dylan Ward, he does all the work on my car. He, he does the setup work. He does the tires and all that stuff. And, uh, he maintains the car for me. And, uh, uh we meet him, we've had some discussions and, uh, we've changed uh, a few things here, some shock valve in here, some, you know, some angles here, uh, some caster and camber. And, uh, I take some rebound out of some shocks and stuff like that. Just a just difference in the, uh, the asphalt really not having a whole lot of grip, plus the, uh, you know, the bumps that we got now, you know, before, you know, the track didn't have any bumps, you know, we had plenty of grip, and uh, it's just a low-grip track now, kind of like a Orange County in a way. Uh, you got it's a one-groove one, it's a one track. Uh, the only way you're going to get around a man is going to, you're going to root him up out of the groove to get him up, you know, get him a little bit loose up often, you know, get up under him and get beside him in the straightaway is not the only way you can do because there ain't no outside groove at all. I mean, you really can't, you know, hopefully they do put the, uh, the uh, traction stuff on the outside groove to help, you know, make for better racing. Cause you know, right now it's just a one groove track and that kind of sucks in a way. If you draw the outside, you're, 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 you're you know, the train's going to go by you, they say. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Brandon Brown told us about that. Tim Brown qualified outside front row uh, for the previous modified race, started second, ended up ninth uh, by the end of the first lap. So that's kind of what I, what I wanted to ask you about is, you know, how is this affecting uh, 
your series as opposed to the modifieds in terms of, you know, we, we know that it's a one-groove racetrack, but does it make a bigger impact on the top in terms of losing ground versus another car? Yeah, I mean, it don't like I said, you know, once you lose that drive up off, I mean, you're pretty much done. I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a football field, guys. I mean, you know, it's kind of like a drag strip. You go down to one end, turn left, you go to the end, turn left. I mean, it's just, you know, if you ain't got any drive, you ain't got no grip. And, uh, I mean, you, you just, you know, you're pretty much, you know, out to lunch. I mean, you really can't even can't even fight for your position, right? you know, your position on the outside right now because, you know, there's really not a lot of grip. But, I mean, my cars work pretty good here and there, but, I mean, I just still I hadn't really run a whole lot on the outside groove. So, I mean, I, I try not to get up there best I can. So, I mean, it's because I know that, you know, from the first week when everybody tried me on the outside, I mean, I mean, which I'm pretty good on restarts and on initial starts anyway, but still, yeah, there ain't, you know, there still is no grip whatsoever on the outside groove. So, I mean, it kind of, it really prevailed itself a lot in there in that first race of the year at Bowman Gray, whenever we run, we won the first one. So I could see real quick, like the, there's no, no, you know, no outside groove. And like I said, I talked to Tim Brown, I talked to, you know, the Jonathan Brown, Jonathan Brown, Brandon Ward. I mean, I talked to all the modified guys too, and the, the hillbillies and all that stuff. And they, you know, everybody's telling me the same thing. So, I mean, I, I kind of a little bit know kind of a little bit of information on what's going on too. So it really, it really, uh, it ain't good to get out there. So hopefully they do race some stuff out there to make it racing a little bit better. That'd be awesome. Be awesome for, for not only you guys, but I think the fans as well want to see, uh, the most competitive racing possible. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left before we get you out of here. Um, I want to ask you, you're basically going to be driving on the same version of this track that you did a few weeks ago in the first races of the season because the rain has washed out any of the rubber that was laid down. So I want to ask you this. What impact do you feel like the rain will have made come this Saturday night? And do you feel like you're basically back at square one? Yeah, I don't feel the track's going to have no grip whatsoever. It's going to be a really low grip. So we're going to try to go back to the same setup I had the first week. That's probably what we'll try to do. Uh, like I said, uh, most of that stuff's up to Dylan Ward, and uh, he makes a decision on that situation on what we try to need to do uh, as far as the tires and you know what, you want, what set of tires we need to put on the car to run because we got some new set of tires, we got some old set of tires, and we'll figure that out probably the first practice over Saturday morning. As long as it don't get rained out, we'll be pretty good. One more question. Uh, when you go to Brandon to make adjustments, what specifically, I don't want you to reveal your secrets here, but uh, what specifically do you go to, or excuse me, Dylan, what specifically do you go to Dylan Ward with as far as adjustments go? What, spe what you know specific things do you go to him with and say, all right, this happened in two, I need you to do this to this part of the car. What kinds of, what, what are those discussions like? Uh, we do a lot of sway bar adjustments and uh, we check preloads on the bar, you know, on the bar and, uh, you know, bump loads, you know, we got that, you know, the, the gale force machine, we check, you know, the bumps loads. We might need to add a shim or take a shim out, stuff like that. I mean, it's just in, uh, we may have to train some trailing arm angles to get more drive up off the corner. Uh, just, you know, different things, you know, try to, to get, uh, to get the full, Hundred percent out of the car to get the drive off because that's what we got to have is drive straight off. That's you know that's what wins races. Drive off wins races, and especially when we're talking about this being a one groove racetrack and the fact that you know there's little to no grip. There's going to be less than there was last time, uh, and on on top of that, it, it it's just going to be it's going to be a sprint. It's going to take a while for uh, this track to get some rubber laid down. Tommy Neal, thank you so much, sir, for coming on this week. Really appreciate it.
Yeah, uh, you sir. Thank y'all. Appreciate it. Have a good night. Thank you to Tommy Neal, Randy Pettit as well, and our producer Desmond Johnson. This has been the Pit Stop on WTOB, powered by TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com.